The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. I'm really, uh, I'm excited to, uh, to bring this message today, uh, because uh, ever since Pastor Jonathan said, uh, right, you're going to speak on this day, um, the Lord has really impressed this message on my heart, and um, I'm just so excited to bring it to you, and, uh, and I've titled the message, uh, Navigating the Seasons of Life, God's Way, Navigating the Seasons of Life, God's Way. You know, there's a, a famous phrase that is uh, attributed to uh, Benjamin Franklin. Uh, he's uh, one of the founding fathers, uh, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the U.S. And uh, I think in 1789, he wrote uh, that there are two certainties in this life, death and tax. <laughs> two certainties. Uh, but I'd like to add one more to that, and that's change. Change is an absolute certainty in this life. And we know that both in the natural sense and in the spiritual sense. We're born, we grow up, we die. And through that time, there is a lot of change, even in the environment we live in. So change is a certainty. But to start us off, I'd like us to read together uh, from the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, uh, it's going to come up on the screen. If you don't have your Bible, it's fine. Just read with us on the screen. Uh, if you've got a different version, that's fine too. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 from verse 1 to 13. Are we ready? Yeah. Are we ready? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's go. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. There is a time for everything. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we just want to thank you today. 
We thank you for your presence here with us. We thank you for the encouragement of your word. We thank you, Lord, that uh, as we look to you, you draw us close to you. I pray, Lord, that you would give us a hearing ears and a listening and a receptive heart today. And that you will have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, when I was growing up, um, we only had two seasons. We had a rainy season and a dry season. Fairly simple. Uh, rainy season was uh, hot and humid. And the dry season was hot and dry. Uh, fairly simple. And uh, the worst in the dry season would be, um, uh, you used to get this uh, cracked lips and cracked skin. So you had to keep your body moisturized. Uh, a lot of Vaseline uh, in those days. Um, so the first time I experienced a different kind of season, as I've mentioned before, was when I had to go to, uh, to, to Moscow to join with my family. And I remember at the time they said, oh, come prepared because it, it could be cold. Uh, but at the time, I mean, I didn't know what cold was. Uh, I'd never experienced cold before. Uh, so, um, so I prepared as best as I could. Now, there was no Ask Google in those days. So I couldn't go to Google and say, show me what to wear. So I think I had a, a vest and a denim shirt on. Uh, it wasn't winter. It was, I think it was probably beginning of autumn. Um, but, but when I got to Moscow uh, and, and stepped out, the freshness of the air, as some people say, or the cold air, hit me. And uh, it was obvious to me I wasn't prepared. Uh, because the, very few the first few days I fell ill because I was not prepared. And that brings me on to my very first point, and it's this. Times and seasons change, so be prepared. Times and seasons change, so be prepared. You know, um, in Nigeria, there's a, uh, a saying, and it uh, often say, no condition is permanent. Uh, and it's used both in a, a positive sense and in a negative sense. Uh, in a positive sense, because when you're going through difficulty, they say, no condition is permanent. Come on. You know, it's going to change. Things are going to get better. Don't worry about it. No condition is permanent. But it's also used in a negative sense. Uh, usually when they think you're not helping, when you could. And they would say, you remember, no condition is permanent. Because you're in a good place now. But when your situation changes and you come for help, you won't find it. So it's used in a positive and a negative sense. But the sentiment is there. Nothing lasts forever. Nothing lasts forever. You know, in the immediate aftermath of the flood in the days of Noah, Noah prepared a sacrifice before the Lord. And, um, and the Lord made a declaration after that. The Lord said he was not going to flood the earth again. But the Lord also said this, and we read this in the book of Genesis, chapter 8, verse 22. Genesis, chapter 8, verse 22. And the Lord said this, As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Times and seasons change. There is no certainty. Things change. And here's the thing. We have no control over the times or the seasons. We don't know when things are going to change. 
No certainty at all. Because only God controls events. Only God has certainty of what is going to happen. And um, if you remember after Jesus' resurrection, there was an occasion where Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples for wars to come. And Jesus says to them, right, wait in Jerusalem, okay? Don't go anywhere. Go to Jerusalem, wait for the gift that the Father is going to give you, okay? And, um, and as you know, during the days of Jesus, uh, Israel was under the control of the Romans. So the disciples are saying to him, does that mean this is when you're going to restore the kingdom to Jerusalem? And Jesus says, uh, says this to them, and we read this in the book of Acts. Book of Acts chapter 1, from 6 to 8. It says, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? But he said this to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria. Jesus was saying to them, don't concern yourself about the times and the seasons, because that's all in God's control. We have no control over what happens tomorrow. And we say, no one knows tomorrow. Of course, that's a fact. We don't know what's coming down the line. But we know the Lord is with us. We know the Lord is with us. The second part of that is really the key. Jesus said, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come on you. Because that's what you're going to need when you go through these seasons. You will receive power. In the book of Mark, there's another example. And some people came to Jesus and said, Jesus, we're fasting. John's disciples are fasting. The Pharisees' disciples are fasting. But your disciples are not. Why is that? And Jesus says to them, well, the guests of the bridegroom cannot fast. Jesus is saying to them, and we know if there is a bridegroom, that means there's a wedding. And a wedding is a happy occasion. A wedding is a joyous occasion. A wedding, it's not a time to fast. A wedding is a time to celebrate. We're happy. And, but Jesus says to them, but don't worry. A time is coming. A time is coming when they are going to need to fast. Their season will change. And at that time, they're going to need to fast. You know, one thing I've learned in my Christian walk is um, when seasons change, it doesn't always mean that I've done something wrong. It doesn't always mean that I've sinned. And this change of season is a consequence of my sin. Because, you know, sometimes we equate a change of season to a change in our relationship with the Lord. But that's not the case. That can be the case, but that's not always the case. Because as we'll see later on in the book of Job, that was far from the case. Very far from the case. But what we do is prepare ourselves. We don't have control of the seasons. We don't know when the seasons are going to change. 
But what we can do is prepare. You know, the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God. Be prepared. Be ready for when that season changes. If I'd been ready for the season change when I went to Moscow, when I got out there, I'd have just put a coat on and I would have been so affected. But clearly, I wasn't ready. What we can do is be prepared. Be prepared. And you know, that brings me on to my next point. And that is simply this, that we are to respond, not react, to a change of season. We are to respond and not react. Because if you're ready for something, you're more likely to respond. A response is more of a considered action. And a reaction is impulsive. Something's happened, you're not prepared, and whatever comes to you first, you do. We are to respond and not to react. We're to understand the season that we're in and act accordingly. That's why we get prepared. You know, when I, um, when I first moved into a managerial role in my, in my company, a book was recommended to me. Uh, and it's a, it's a little book called uh, Who Moved My Cheese? Has anyone read that book? A few people. Oh, mm, very few. Very few, okay. It's a great book. I, I like the book. It, uh, it's a bestseller. I think it's sold over 30 million copies, that book. A very small book. But it's a book used in the world of business uh, to help people deal with change. And, um, and the story in the book, it's a fictional story. It's a story of two mice and two humans, okay? And uh, the story is built around their pursuit of cheese, Okay, cheese is a metaphor for happiness. Okay, so when they're eating cheese, that's their happy place. And, um, and the story goes that uh, these two mice and two humans, um, they find this cheese supply in cheese station N. Okay, massive cheese supply. And they go there every day. They go and eat cheese, they go home, they go and eat cheese, they go home. Uh, but one day, the mice turned up and the cheese was gone, finished. And the mice, okay, the cheese is finished, and they moved on in search of the next cheese supply. Um, and the reason was because whilst they'd been going to that cheese station, they'd been noticing that the cheese was dwindling. The cheese supply was going. So they'd been preparing their minds for when the cheese eventually finished. So when the cheese did finish, they're like, oh, okay, cheese is gone, let's move on. So they moved on. But the humans, on the other hand, turned up and shock. No cheese. They got angry. Hence the title of the book. Because they, in their anger, they shouted out, Who's moved my cheese? Who's moved my cheese? And they were angry, and they didn't know what to do. And they kept going back and back, but there's no cheese. But they, they were railing at the injustice of it all. Someone's come and moved my cheese. What's happened? What's going on? And, uh, and they got angry, they got depressed. And, because, you see, they'd built their whole existence around that cheese supply. Everything about them was to do with that cheese. And now that it was gone, they were completely lost. Didn't know what to do. Didn't know how to act. And they just kept going back and back. Until one of them said, you know what? Cheese ain't coming back. I've got to go. But the second one was, I know. Whoever moved this cheese has to bring it back. So one of the two decides, you know what, I'm going to go. 
I'm going to go and find new cheese. And uh, if you want to know how this story finishes, uh, you can buy the book. Um, but I'll move on. I'll move on. Because that story reminds me of another story in the Bible, in the book of Kings. And it's a story of the four leprous men. If you remember the story of Samaria. Samaria was on the siege because the Arameans had besieged the city. And the siege got so bad, so bad, that some turned to cannibalism in that city. That was how bad it was. And there were four leprous men by the city gate. And they said, you know what? If we go into the city, we will die of hunger. That we know. But if we go to the Arameans, it's a kind of 50-50 chance. They may kill us, or we may survive, because there's food there. So they decide, you know what? This way, it's 100% death. That's a 50% death. We'll go that way. So they decide to go to the camp of the Arameans. And of course, the great God that we serve, he had made the Arameans to hear the sound of a mighty Russian army. And in their confusion, they fled. They fled the camp. So the four leprous men turn up. Wow. Look at all this food. Look at all this supply. And they start to eat and they start to stop themselves until one of them comes to his senses and says, Ah, this is a day of good news. This is a day of good news. The city is on the siege. Come on, we've got to go and tell them that the Arameans are gone. That's a response in terms of them standing there and going, we can't just stay here. We can't just stay in this place. You know, I think we've got broadly, I think we have three seasons, broadly, broadly. We've got a happy season. And for me, that's kind of summer. Happy season. Because you know in summer, people are more friendly. The sun's out. Uh, people are more willing to talk, and the days are longer, and it's a happy time. It's a happy time. And then we've got um, what I call the change season. Uh, for me, that's spring, and that's autumn. Because I don't know about you, in spring, I'm just anticipating summer. Uh, and in the autumn, I'm dreading winter. Because <laughs> I oh, don't want winter to come. But they change season. It's a time of transition. Uh, and then we've got the really harsh season, the tough season, the hard season, the one we all dread, you know, the winter season. You see, in the happy season, things are great. Life's good. Family's good. Work's good. I mean, it's just a happy time. And that's good. We love to be in that place. I love to be in that place. We don't want it to change. Like the two little people in the cheese story. That was their happy season, cheese supply. They didn't want it to change. And they had not prepared for it to change. As far as they were concerned, this is going to last forever. This is going to be the way it is forever. And in the happy season, our response has got to be praise, adoration. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. Kevin was saying earlier, we praise you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. You know, not just in the morning, not just in the evening, not just at night, all day. Thank you, Lord. Appreciating the goodness of the Lord in our lives. In the book of James, chapter 5, verse 13, James 5, 13, 
The Bible says, is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. It is a happy time. And we enjoy that time. And we should enjoy that time. And then there's a change season. And this is a time of transition. And sometimes we don't do well with that transition. Because if you're used to being in control, knowing what you're doing, a transition time is a time sometimes of waiting. It can feel like you're in limbo. There's uncertainty. You don't know what's going to happen. And in a sense, sometimes I feel we're in that space here, that time of transition where change is happening. But our response during transition time has got to be to seek and to wait on the Lord. Because oftentimes, a time of transition is a time of preparation for what's to come. You know, the Lord wants us to come, to sit, and to wait, because he wants to do something. As Jesus said to his disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait until, until the Lord fills you with the power, because you're going to need that for what's to come, until you receive power. You know, um, I was reading a Facebook post by Scott McNamara, who was here not long ago, uh, open house. And he was talking about the last year the Lord gave him a word for them to move to the US. And that was in March last year. And, um, and he was given a testimony because just this week they were given the visa to be able to go. And now they're going to go before Christmas. But something he said that caught my eye, and he said, it's been such a long road in that time from when the Lord spoke to now that at certain points I started to question whether they actually heard the Lord. And that, that's a symptom of the waiting season. Sometimes you can question, did I really hear the Lord? Did God really say? The disciples could have been there day one, day two, day three, thinking, are we really sure that he said to wait until? You know, the story of Abraham and Sarah, and the Lord gave them a promise of a son. But after a while, Sarah thought, you know what? what may, maybe, maybe he wants us to do this and to do that. That season has got to be to wait. In the book of Psalm 37, verse 7, the Bible says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their own ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Wait, wait, wait on the Lord. That's what the Lord wants us to do. That's our response for the season, the transition of season. And then we've got the tough season, the hard season, the season that we don't want. In the book of uh, John chapter 16, Jesus is preparing his disciples, getting them ready. And he's saying to them, look, this is going to happen. You're going to face this. This is going to happen. Because he's trying to make sure that they were ready for what was to come. Because they were going to go into a really, really tough season. And Jesus is preparing them. And at the end of that chapter, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. He didn't say in this world, you may have trouble. He said, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. But then he said, take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. You know, a hard season could take many forms. You know, an attack on our health. 
It could be family. It could be relationships. It could be work. A harsh season could take many forms. And it's tough. It's tough to pray. It's tough to seek the Lord. It's tough to smile, especially when something's going on for so long. You know, I remember once we were out doing outreach for Open, sea, open House, and, uh, and I ran into a guy, and I was talking to him about the Lord. And he looked to me and said, um, he said, he said, I just lost my granddaughter. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to say. I remember just thinking, Lord, what shall I say? And all I could say to him was, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm so sorry for your loss. I didn't know what to say. We can't always, always explain what happens. We don't always know the answer. And we don't seek to always know the answer either. Because we can't know everything that God knows. You know, we're read in Ecclesiastes. We can't fathom everything that's happening. We simply cannot. And you know, one of the really difficult books I find uh, in the Bible, reading the Bible, is, um, is the book of Job. It's, the book of, it's a tough book to read. It's a tough book. Um, if we look at Job chapter 1, from verse 1 to 3. Job 1, 1 to 3. So the Bible is describing Job. A man whose name was Job, blameless and upright, feared God, shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. And he owned a lot of animals. <laughs> it was a wealthy man. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. The greatest man among all, a wealthy man. He was a wealthy man. And then we read on in Job 6 to 8. Uh, Job 6 to 8. The Bible says, One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, From roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? That there is no one on earth like him. You know, sometimes when I'm reading this story, I don't know if you ever think like this, I think, Lord, I'd really appreciate it if you don't brag about me. Um, yeah, because, yeah, I'm not sure, you know, this, this, because this is the Lord bringing Job into the, onto the radar. So have you thought about Job? Blameless, upright, a blameless man. And of course, Satan goes on to say, of course, of course he fears you. I mean, the wealthiest man in the East. He's got a big family. The family gets on because they're having a feast together. Um, he's well. His health is good. Of course he fears you. It's easy for him to fear you. But I tell you what, God, you let us touch him. You'll give us access to him. And you watch how quickly he's going to turn against you. You change his circumstance from his happy season to a difficult season, and you watch how quickly he'll stop going to church. You watch how quickly he's going to stop praying. He's going to stop praising you. You watch how quickly. And then the Lord, of course, said to, the, uh, to Satan, okay, you can't touch him but you can touch everything else. And Satan has a field day. You know. It's what the Americans might call a Operation Shock and Awe. 
Absolutely relentless. He goes all out. If this was a boxing match, the corner was thrown in a towel long ago because it's just tragic news after tragic news after tragic. Relentless. Relentless. But let's look at Job's response. Verse 21. Job 1, 21. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. My goodness. He's just lost his entire wealth. He's lost his entire family. He's got his wife left. And his response is, may the name of the Lord be praised. Wow. What have you been through? What have you been through? May the name of the Lord be praised. Of course, Satan has to go again. And he says, well, because the God's, God's saying, well, you see, I told you. I know Job. But Satan says, well, the thing is, fine, let's read Job 2, 4 to 5. Job chapter 2, 4 to 5. Skin for skin, Satan replied, a man will give all he has for his own life. But now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you. And the Lord says, okay. And Satan attacks his health. And this time, his wife had sinned enough. His wife said, just curse God and die. She'd sinned enough. But again, Job says, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Even his friends were absolutely adamant. I've got to admit, if I was his friend, I'd be adamant too. Now, the scale of this calamity, you must have done something wrong. You must have. You know, in my uh, language, we have this saying, which translates into English. And it says something along the lines of, it's not just what meets the eye. In other words, this is not just a natural occurrence. There is something behind the scenes going on here. And clearly there was. Clearly there was. Do you know, our response during times of difficulty has got to be to fall at his feet. I think, I remember Sam spoke in the summer and his message was falling at the feet of Jesus. That's got to be our response. We have to fall at his feet. We have to cry. If you remember Ezekiah, when the prophet went to Ezekiah and said, Ezekiah, this sickness you've got is going to lead to your death. Prepare your house. But Ezekiah didn't say, Ezekiah didn't do what Eli did. Because when God gave Eli word through Samuel, Eli kind of said, well, let him do what he wants to do. But Ezekiah didn't do that. He turned his face to the wall and he cried out to God, have mercy. And the Lord sent the prophet back and said, go and tell him. I've heard his prayer. I'll give him another 15 years. A time to really cry to the Lord. It's a time to call upon his name. You know, David is a man who was after God's own heart. But a lot of, some of the calamity that came upon David was his undoing. But even in that situation, David cried out to the Lord, and the Lord heard and answered him. So the time, the difficult time, is the time to trust God the more. It's not the time to pull away. It's not the time to stop going to church. It's not the time to stop seeking the Lord. 
That is the time to fall at his feet and to cry out for mercy. That is the time to seek the Lord even the more. You know, um, a few weeks ago, Jane gave a testimony and, um, because she had to go into hospital. And I remember she said that the nurse that was treating her this time happened to this, be the same nurse that treated her 12 years ago. And in her testimony, she wrote this, and I quote, I'm sure I'll still have my lows, still be upset, still even fear any test over the next few years. But I know I'll still see God in all the smallest details because he will still be there taking me through this journey. And that brings me on to my final point. And that is this. Keep your faith in God no matter what. Keep your faith in God no matter what. In the book of Luke, chapter 8, from 22 to 25, we read this story. Jesus said to his disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake. They got in the boat, they set out, and as they sailed, Jesus fell asleep. And, um, and of course, a squirrel came down, and the boat was filling with water, and, uh, and the disciples went and woke Jesus up. And they said to him, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And Jesus got up, and he rebuked the wind. And the raging waters, and the storm subsided, and all was calm. And Jesus asks them this question. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Okay. So Jesus is saying, I'm in the boat. Yet you think we're going to drown. I'm in the boat of your life. Yet you think you're going to drown. Where is your faith? Where is your trust in me? You've seen what I can do. Why do you still think that you're going to drown with me in the boat? Where is your faith? You know, ultimately to successfully navigate the seasons of life. We need his Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit that brings God's presence and power. The power, the enablement. Because you see, he gives us the freedom to enjoy the happy season. To enjoy the happy season without constantly thinking about what lies around the corner. Without worrying about, oh, this is not going to last. No. He gives us the freedom to enjoy when we're in that happy season. He gives us the patience to wait during a transitional season. To just wait on the Lord. To wait on the Lord. And during the harsh season, he gives us the strength and the resolve to endure the hard season. He's not left us. His promise is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's his promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, because as we read in Ecclesiastes, he has made everything perfect in his time. Amen?